Listening to Battle Red Radio. I'm Matt Lesson tonight. I'm joined by Joe Critz and Carlos Flores to discuss the Texans through the 2021 free agency period over these uh, three wet, hot, wild, and very boring days from a Texans perspective. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Doing as good as we can. So for the Texans, they have uh, kind of like the two big moves they made didn't even come through free agency since last time we spoke and actually came through trades. They swapped picks with New England, the fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds to acquire Marcus Cannon. And they also turned Bernard McKinney in a seventh-round pick into Shaq Lawson in a sixth-round pick. So we'll start there because that's probably the best talent the Texans have actually acquired so far during the offseason up to this point. Um, and we'll start with Cannon first as well, too. So, Carlos, with Marcus Cannon, uh, and you view this with the decision they recently had to release Zach Bolton to the Wild as well, uh, what do you think the plan is for Cannon? Do you think he's going to start right tackle potentially? Do you think he's going to move inside to maybe left guard or right guard to replace either Sharping or Fulton? Uh, do you think they may move Tyus Howard to left tackle and trailer me Tunsil? Where do you think Marcus Cannon falls into this deck of cards right here? No, I think Cannon uh, definitely has to be, have to, has to move inside. Um, I can't see Titus going anywhere. Um, and right now, with I guess everything that's going on, Tunsil should be moved. Um, we should try and get everything that we can back for him. But um, I don't know. I guess there's just not much chatter there yet. And so, you know, for right now, for what the roster is right now, I would definitely say Cannon should go inside because from what I've seen around on Twitter and, you know, from people who know a lot more than me is that, you know, he's kind of slow, um, kind of got beat on the outside. And so, you know, shifting him back in using that body mass would probably help us out a lot more. Yeah. That's what, that's what I was thinking. And the only situation where I could see him playing tackle is if we trade Laramie Tunsil and move Titus Howard to left tackle, and then Cannon is the best other offensive lineman we have left, so he would have to move to right tackle. But because of what Carlos just said about him being slow and not really being built for the tackle spot anymore, probably wouldn't be good for us to do that. So this might be a situation where we we should trade Laramie Tunsil, but by doing so, we are, we are going to really feel the effects of not having like a capable tackle on the other side for a year. Yeah. And I, I can't see them training Tunsil because of the other decisions they've made so far. Uh, they've committed to every player that they've traded for. And these like, you know, past 18 months or two years, whatever it is now, uh, they committed David Johnson for another year. They committed brand cooks for another year. Uh, even though there'd be some, there, there's merit to either, you know, flat out release cooks. I like the, the decision made to restructure them, but like, if Watson's not here, there's really no point off for him to be here. And he's not a good quarterback for Tyrod Taylor either now. And Taylor becomes the quarterback in week one. And then with, du- with David Johnson, like, there is no reason to keep him here at all whatsoever. So I can imagine a world where Houston actually trades Larry Tunsil, even if they trade a Sean Watson too. Um, and so like I do agree with you, Carlos and Joe. I, like, I think the idea is that you move Marcus Cannon to right guard. Like, he's good in like, combo blocks. 
I like he's a good like power run blocker. His like pass protection worked in New England because Tom Brady was his quarterback. And when the ball is out in 1.75 seconds, like it's it's really easy to play offensive tackle. And so I think he was a, a really good like example of his run blocking was able to overshadow his pass blocking just because of how quick the ball was out there. And I could think I think he played either right guard or left guard. Like I know there's a lot of talk of Max Sharpie just kind of penciled as a starter, but he was really bad last year and didn't even know how he didn't know the playbook, didn't know how to play it all either. So I'm kind of looking at this offseason that every spot in the interior is kind of open, but I think Tunsil and Howard into the tackles no matter what. Um, so Carlos, like do you think where do you think like Cam would fit in the interior? Do you think he would just play right guard and plays Fulton? Could you see him play left guard? And are you like already married to the idea that Justin Britt's gonna be the starting center this year? Um I am pretty convinced that Britt's going to be our starting center. Um, I can't see really anybody currently on the roster taking that spot. Um, I can't see any them going out in free agency, snagging any, you know, decent names. A lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, okay. Uh, or good guys have already been snatched up. And so um, I think Britt's going to be center. And I think can would probably best used at right guard. Um, I mean, let, let, let him feast on the run blocks. It's just, I, I wouldn't want him on the left side, you know, uh, in pass block situations, because uh, Tyrod, when when Joe said earlier that you know we're going to feel the repercussions of this line, um, it's not us; it's actually Tyrod, and so he's going to be scrambling, he's going to be running around like chicken with his head cut off, and yeah, that's what he's getting paid to do. And so, um, you know, I think uh, I think I'd rather have him in a side that leans more to his sensibilities in uh, in the right side. Yeah, that makes sense, and. Like Joe, like regarding Cannon too, you don't they could they could have got like a different player to can for agency if they needed offensive guard. Uh, and then they also could weigh their time as well too, just to see which other players may be available instead of making the decision go for Cannon and go for an unquantity for Nick Casario. So like, do you think it was smart to add seven million dollars in salary, exchange draft picks and what may be a rebuilding year at the New England Patriots, even though it's only the fourth, fifth, and sixth round spots? And also, he's 33 years old and is coming off a season that he opted out of because of COVID. Do you think Cannon was a good idea and a good player to add to this roster, considering all the variables that go along with his signing, too, or the trade form, too? Uh, prob- probably not. Probably not. Mostly because I isn't isn't that Colts guard? Isn't Kevin Zeitler? I think is isn't he still available? He's still. I mean. I think he is. If he is, then no, it was a bad decision because that means Kevin Zeitler, if he's still available now, means that he would have been fairly cheap. And I don't think he would have been, he would have been at least of similar quality as Marcus Cannon at guard. And we could have signed Zeitler. Oh, Zeitler went to the Ravens, someone just said in the Twitch, uh, Twitch chat. Okay, well, never mind. Maybe Marcus Cannon was the best decision given that Zeitler's already gone because I don't really know the guard market beyond Zeitler. And I wasn't even that big of a fan of Zeitler. I just thought that he was by far the best one on the board besides Scherf and if you move Tooney to guard or something. But he's both of them are worth too much money. So that doesn't mean that Cannon's a good player. It just meant that I, Nick Casario probably did it because he knew we needed help there fast. I don't know. It's it's a mediocre at best deal, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm afraid to look up other guards available real quick just because uh, it may slow things down, the audio and everything, because um, I'm in like 1950s internet right now. But I do I do think like I think there's a lot of things that go along with Cam and kind of being a weird decision. And it's also a weird decision, too, if you're going to trade Watson rebuild this year to swap any picks at all whatsoever is kind of bizarre, too. Uh, but, like, always with the interior offensive line, like you can always kind of find guys for cheaper contracts. 
you can always kind of wait around and wait for new guys to get released too. Um, like trade, like there's always trade opportunities that kind of pop up and rise. Also, I think one of the things that occurs in free agency, especially like how exciting the beginning of free agency is, is that you don't build your team fully in March. You know, you have until September. There's six more months left. You kind of build your team out and figure out who's going to play where, what spots you're going to be at. And so I do think there's other opportunities there. Um, even even if we're having a hard time naming these guys right right immediately, but new opportunities will arise in the in the future as well. That kind of makes it weird to to have the decision to add Cannon for those reasons too. But I do think like Cannon's a fine player. I think he'll be better at guard. I think he'd be an improvement at run blocking for you know Fulton. How he pass protects, I think, will be interesting to see um, in Houston. But I think overall, like it's kind of a it's like a low risk trade. You kind of lose maybe a cumulative of maybe fifteen like. Uh, draft capital spots total as well by making this decision. And I think it's fine. Like I don't have like a lot of strong feelings about either way. I think it's okay. Yeah. The fourth round picks kind of hurt me though, because I was thinking like there'll be a few nice players available in the fourth round, at least from the studying that I was doing. So mm-hmm. it hurts to see those go, but you're right. Cannon will be a starter and he'll play like a starter. Yeah. And like that pick I think is going to be the difference between like 120 and like, you know, 134 maybe, you know, like yeah. I know the Patriots made a ton of free agent moves, but they still have a quarterback at all. I think that's a, a big problem for them, and we'll see what they do there. But I think you're looking at maybe like 14 or 16 you know, draft spots, and then you take that times uh, three different rounds, and maybe you have like this 48 different uh, like little points of draft capital you're losing by adding cannons. Like cannon worth that? I think like if Watson's playing, cannon could potentially be worth that. But if you have Tyrod Taylor, you're going to win five games. I don't think it is at all, though. <laughs> Hey, but uh, hey, I I still like Tyrod. I think I think I even put him in that in that uh, off season simulator thing. I made him easily the the highest rated uh, <laughs> free agent quarterback available because he is like like if you were to take Deshaun Watson and like cut his talent level in half, you would get Tyrod Taylor. He's really accurate with the deep ball. He can make plays. He can improvise. He's extremely accurate in certain spots on the field. So we might be able to plug Tyrod into our offense from last year and he might do okay. I mean, we'll probably have to run that like Brandon cook streaking across the middle of the field a million times with Tyrod, but it should work most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's about Tyrod probably in, Oh no, hopefully it's not 47 minutes from now. It's like 25 minutes from now or so. Uh, <laughs> the second thing was that they traded Bernard McKinney and a seventh round pick for Shaq Lawson in a six round pick. So as we all know, Bernard McKinney is a really incredible run stopper. He's pretty much a defensive tackle who played linebacker and really made run stops easy for the rest of his defense. I think this year is a really great example of how important he is to Houston's run defense. And they fell from, you know, like 12th in run defense DBA to 29th this year. And like he his like, you know, that meme, like, you know, my hands look like this, so her hands look like this. That was Bernard McKinney and Zach Cunningham, where he allowed he allowed Zach Cunningham to sit on the backside and just chase and make unblocked tackles over and over again. And now flipped with the roles reversed, with Cunningham having to do that, it was bad. He guessed a lot and made a lot of poor decisions that problems tackling in space. And um, he really kind of showed, you know, how much of an impact McKinney had to make Cunningham the player that he was in you know, 2018, 2019 as well. And I do think McKinney was like super underrated as a zone coverage linebacker. But like he had problems in man coverage and same thing with Cunningham. But you don't pay, you know, $30 million. You don't pay, you know, $25 million for two linebackers with, kind of similar skill sets too. So they turned to Shaq Lawson. Lawson's like a good player. He's had 10 and a half sacks the last two years and 36 quarterback hits. The Bills decide not to keep him on his fifth-year option. 
you know, in the fourth year of the season. And the Dolphins decide to cut bait with him after signing him to a three-year, $30 million contract last offseason as well, too. Um, so, Carlos, do you think Lawson's already the best pass rusher on this Texans defense? Oh, absolutely. He walks in and is hands down the best guy now with, um, with J.J. Watt being gone um, and Whitney Merciless still MIA, you know, from last season. Um, I think he automatically walks in and is our best shot at getting to the quarterback. Um, as much as I love Jacob Martin, uh, he's, the proof just isn't there yet. Uh, and so um, I, I do think Lawson is a is a shoe in for for best pass rusher. It, it it's easy. I mean, it's like walking in on JV squad after being on varsity for like two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, wow, since Watt and I don't know what like Merciless's like fate is with the team. I don't know he's if he'll carcass. be here. Yeah, he's a carcass anyways. Yeah. So I think like, I'm a better pass rusher than Winnie Merciless right now. <laughs> so does that mean that Jacob Martin is going to be like a, a routine starter for 2021 20, Texans? I don't know because of this 4-3 defense. Like, he's a 245-pound defensive end. I mean, maybe he could play weak side linebacker, but he's not good against the run at all. So, I don't, I don't know. I think yeah. he just plays, like, third down or second down long in pass rushing situations. And you kind of hope you get into enough of those, you know, with the offense that may be down, like, 21 points in every game, you know. Dang, I would love to see – like like the like the center in me would love to see a Jacob Martin plus Shaq Lawson plus R- Ross Blacklock defensive line. Plus Charles Amenehu as yeah. well. I think that's the four. Yeah. I think that's the four we're gonna see a lot of this year. Yeah, and get some Jonathan Grenard in there. Let's just let's just like bring on the pain and see what we got for a full year. I I will say this about Jacob Martin. He's so I have a I have a younger brother. And he absolutely loves John Mayer. And, like, I think John Mayer is fine. I think he's all right. But because of how much he loves John Mayer, it makes me not like John Mayer. And Jacob Martin's like that for me. I think Martin's all right. I think he's interesting. I don't think we know. I think there's some, maybe another level to him that we don't understand. But because so many people love Jacob Martin, it makes me not like Jacob Martin. <laughs> it's the hipster in you. <laughs> He's cool and he has a cool name though. Like Jacob Martin, like it's satisfying to say the double two syllables. He plays yeah, air it's a, guitar. It's a very square <laughs> name. But I mean, like not watching him uh, rush against guards and dropping hook zones over and over again will be uh, a dramatic improvement. The utility I receive watching Jacob Martin play football. But yeah, I do think Lawson's the best pass rusher on this defense too. Like Lawson's good. You know, he's not great. He's a good player. I think it makes sense for Houston to make this trade to turn you know, run stopping help and just like turn run stop in the pass rush. Like that makes sense because of the fact they don't have a very good pass rush at all, but it just says a whole lot about the state of Texas pass rush that, you know, the good Shaq Lawson who you want to see like the third best pass rush on a great pass defense is the best pass rush and what should be a, a pretty bad pass defense this year. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Sha- yeah. I mean, there was a few moments that Shaq Lawson had, um, in like 2017, 18, and 19, that that like showed some promise. And if he can turn that into something consistent, maybe we'll be okay. But man, it's it's yeah. I, there's there's probably no chance that he'll improve. But as long as he's okay, like okay is is way better than anything we had in 2020. <laughs> so when we go like when we go four and 12, it'll be really weird to see how much more our defensive line has improved and the record hasn't changed. 
So, Joe, do you think – I know you kind of mentioned about Lawson just now, but like, do you think there's like another level he can get to at all? Uh, do you think he could become like a 10-sack player or an 8-sack player uh, and maybe like 30 quarterback hits instead of where he's been at the previous two years? I, I think so. I think he has the talent. I mean, I was watching – I remember watching some of his college tape a couple years ago because he had like a really good game against like – when he was on the Bills, he had like a really good game against like Dallas or something a few years ago. Um, I can't remember who, someone in 2019 or 18. And I just remember going through his old film and I was like, this guy has some talent and he has some rush ability. Um, and if he could just put it together consistently, then he can be a double digit sack player. But I think it's at this point now, I think he needs someone else in the middle. He needs like an Aaron Donald. Like, what is it? Leonard Floyd has like that Aaron Donald right next to him. So he always gets a lot of sacks for the Rams. I forget what his name is. It's either Leonard Floyd or Flowers yep. or something. Well, he had uh, – Floyd had like four sacks every year in Chicago, and then he went to Los Angeles and had like ten and a half last year because Aaron yep. Donald just you know, spoon-fed him over and over again. And yep. then he got $64 million from the Rams <laughs> this year. Yeah, which I don't even know where they found that money. <laughs> but <laughs> but either, either way, I think Shaq Lawson needs that. He's not bad. And he can be like even better than the Aaron Donald Leonard Floyd combo, but we need an Aaron Donald first. We need yeah. Ross Blacklock to become the best defensive tackle ever, real quick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think Lawson could probably hit like eight sacks or maybe even ten sacks if he's like really fluky. Because like, there's a lot of years where a guy will have ten sacks, but only twelve quarterback hits, and then regress you know the year after. Like, I think he may have that in him, but I think it kind of comes down to like you know kind of kind of what's being fed to him and how much pressure is on the defensive line. But I do like his arm link. Like, he's a really good athlete. I think he's, like, a pretty all-around pass rusher. He can rush inside and outside well. Um, I think it's, like, the perfect type of player that you want to add for a Texans team that, you know, you have a player who's entering his age 27 season. So I think it was, like, a perfect decision, like, the perfect player for them to add to his pass rush. But, again, like, whenever you view it through the lens of is Watson going to be here or not, I think he kind of – he fits that sweet spot in between the two that – you know, you want him here, even if Watson's here because he improves the pass rush. If he isn't here, you can maybe package him and trade him later on um, for a pick for a pass rush needy team too. So I really like the Lawson trade. I think it was the best trade that Nick Casario made, even though I'm going to miss Menarjee McKinney a whole lot. Um, Carlos, there's so much talk, like every single time a trade is made, like who won this trade or who lost this trade. Do you think this trade was symbiotic and was helpful for both the the uh, the Dolphins and the Texans? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, we got a decent pass rusher who, well, actually, the best pass rusher we currently have on the team. So there's that plus on our end. And then because <clears throat> BMAC was such a good, you know, run stopping linebacker, it just made sense because with Kyle Van Noy um, leaving, and was it already known that? Because I just saw a tweet from Aaron Wilson that he went to the Pats. Was that already widely oh, known? Van Noy went back to the Pats. Yeah. That just happened, I guess, today. Okay, so yeah, um, with him going back to the Pats, um, they you know they needed a guy to replace him and kind of what he could do for them. And so, um, I you know I, I think it's pretty fair for both of us. It was it, it was fairly even, and so uh, Nick is really like Tony Montana working those Miami connections. So, <laughs> yeah. I will say this too: whenever you're watching like the. I don't know, the, the, your news feed, that slow drip of, of nothingness coming into you, or whenever like you're reading anything at all or watching anything, not every team has to win a trade. Like Trades can be good for both teams. They can be bad for both teams. They can be completely inconsequential. There doesn't have to be a winner or a loser every single time at all either. 
And so I do think it's a, I think it's a good trade for both teams. Like the Dolphins were 22nd run defense DVA last year. Their run defense is bad. They had great pass defense. Uh, they had a high blitz defense too. I think McKinney's ability as a blitzer, I think, was never fully utilized in Houston as well either. And so I'm excited to watch him play in Miami. I think he'll look very uh, handsome there. I'm excited to watch him you know, play maybe five or six games there next year too. So the Texans have taken a depth approach to free, approach to free agency. They've added a lot of guys here. I'm going to read every single guy off. Are you ready for this? Here we go. I feel like this is like saying I try to read like his list every year that he has to try <laughs> try figure out you know how to split, split all up. So Tyrod Taylor, one year, $12.5 million. And also the contract amounts are up to, like there's incentives involved and certain guarantees involved. So, But just for uh, the optics of it, uh, whatever I say for the contracts may not be the base. It's just like up to what the total could be. Justin Britt, one year, $5 million. Christian Kirksey, one year, $4.5 million. Mark Ingram, one year, $3 million. Kevin Pierre-Lewis, two years, $8 million. Andre Roberts, two years, $6 million. Camu Gregor Hill, one year, $3.25 million. Malik Collins, one year, $6 million. Terrence Brooks, one year, $2 million. Joe Thomas, one year, $2 million. Justin McCray, two years, $4 million. Terrence Mitchell, two years, $7.5 million. Derek Rivers, one year, $1.3 million. Chris Moore, one year, $2 million. Tremont Smith, one year, $1.13 million. Um, so, Carlos, do you like the decision that Nick Casario has made this offseason? to take more of a depth approach to the roster and kind of churn out the bottom of it to kind of create like maybe a, a somewhat incompetent roster instead of, you know, very bad, very stupid roster. It's definitely a little strange considering that we did have some, you know, big, huge players in mind to move. And the only one that's really had any movement is uh BMAC. And so um, working from the bottom up is, Definitely a uh, interesting approach. I mean, a lot of these guys are going to be fairly inconsequential to, you know, the team's overall performance for the most part. Like Andre Roberts may give us, you know, five or ten extra yards on a kickoff return every few weeks. Um, and so um, Tyrod will be a good bridge, you know, depending on whatever happens with Watson. Um, Ingram is just here to split up the the grinding between him and uh, him and DJ. Uh, and so I think most of these guys are just kind of um, kind of cannon fodder, uh, like little tiny utility players that, you know, maybe small improvements over what we've had, but, you know, it's so inconsequential in the grand scheme of things that um, nothing really stands out that much to me, except Malik Collins. I think that's one of the few ones that I actually kind of like, but. So is he your favorite of this bunch that they signed? Is Millie Collins your favorite? I think so. Um, I know he had a really like nothing burger year last year, but you know, while he was with the Cowboys, he was fairly good. And I think that, you know, he could bring some, uh, some good experience next to uh, Ross Blacklock uh, this upcoming season. And, and so uh, I, I definitely don't mind that signing. Um, it's a, it's a nice little cheap prove it deal for a player that, was fairly productive and, um, you know, basically giving him a chance to get back to that. What about you, Joe? Do you like this decision? And who's your favorite player of the bunch also? Okay, so I'm going to preface, preface this with uh, I don't expect the Texans to win very much at all in 2021. So I'm very wise already... man. You're very wise. <laughs> so I, I am happy with 
any sort of signings of players that I have any monochrome of interest in and players that haven't played much or haven't had the opportunity to play in the regular season much at all because of injury or being backups. And now they get an option to start. And like two of my favorite players that I kind of fell in love with years ago and I've just followed on the down low for the past couple of years are Tyra Taylor and Christian Kirksey. Mm -hmm. I both think that they have a base level talent that is fairly good. Like they're they're both starter level, or at least the last time they started significant games, they were base starter level. And they have little flashes here and there that show that there's something more. So I don't expect them to lead us to a winning season or to have a very good season. But getting the opportunity to watch both of them play significant football gives me some excitement. It's not it's not that I expect <laughs> I, I, it's not that I expect we're gonna win. I if if I was expecting to win, knowing that they were playing a lot of football would make me sick. But from I just like these players because I watched them a play a few years ago and I liked how they played and getting to see that again is like, okay, I'll take it. You know, it's like the it's like a double cheeseburger meal from like McDonald's or something. It's like not good, but it's it's here and I know it. So it's better than nothing. Like I, I was already kind of sitting here, like thinking about the 2021 Texans season, like what's a what am I going to do to enjoy it? And you saying I'm excited to watch Christian Kirksey for the Texans 2021, just like really just like hit me in a bad spot. You know, I'm like, wow, I may watch Christian Kirksey play 16 games this year. Like he was he was benched last year for like the Packers fifth and sixth round linebackers because. Like he just he just has problems in the past game. Like he's a worse yeah. version of Benarjit McKinney, but like getting excited about Christian Kirksey uh, just really got me feeling bad. Yeah, it's it sets the stage. I, I anytime I say something like that, I'm inviting to get dunked on by someone. <laughs> no, I mean like I understand that. Like whenever you watch a lot of football, there's always kind of weird guys who you kind of just like enjoy, and uh, and so like getting excited about Christian Kirksey, I think is something that happens. You know, whenever you watch a lot of football. But it, it just it sets the stage for uh, what am I expecting out of this team? And if that's on the top of my list of things to be excited about, it's not a good list. <laughs> but the, the the linebacker by committee thing that it seems like we're going with, like all of these linebackers, Jesus. Like I can't imagine like trying to keep track of all those numbers during a live game situation. But it's going to be interesting to see how the 30 linebackers we have operate in this new defense. Yeah, because they are switching to a 4-3, and it's Zach Cunningham, and now it's Kay McGregor-Hill, it's Joe Thomas, it's Christian Kirksey, it's Kevin Pierre-Lewis, and like, however it is they, they figure those guys out. And they may draft a linebacker, they may sign another linebacker. There's still a lot of time left. They may sign three more linebackers, who knows. Um, like, I've watched Kevin Pierre-Lewis in Washington. Like, he wasn't as good as John Boster or, or uh, Cole Holcomb, and he ended up playing all that much at the end of the year. And like, he's, the idea is like he's a coverage linebacker, and then you look at, his stats from last year, it's like, oh, his quarterback rating and targeted was like 124. He allowed a completion percentage of 80%. It's like, yeah, he's fast, but it doesn't mean he knows how to cover anybody at all. Uh, so I'm not too excited about Kevin Pierre-Lewis. He has a cool visor, though, I guess. Um, I'm kind of thinking, like, I, I, I think, like, the, the problem for Texans fans and, like, the idea, like, you know, Kasseri's been crushing it. He's done such a great do- job. They've gotten so many players. I think Bill O'Brien has blinded so many people and has just turned their brains into goop that just because Cam McGregor held it three years, $30 million, people are like, this is a great offseason. This is what they need to do. They need to add depth and turn out the bottom of the roster. But like, I think what you want to do if you're building for you know, 2022 or 23 
is just like getting young players with some sort of upside, you know? And they don't really have that in Albite signing Kirksey. They don't really have that in Terrence Mitchell. They don't really have that at all in uh, in Gregor Hill or Andre Roberts. And so like it's kind of a mismatch between the two. And there really isn't kind of like a unified idea of what this like this is a rebuilding team or a team with Watson. And so it's hard for me to like fully like hate it or like it or love it or have any sense to. It. I'm just kind of like ambivalent to everything Casario's done so far. Breeding apathy. That's what the Texans do. <laughs> but but uh, mayonnaise mal- mal- uh, malaise is what the Texans are. Or maybe they're <laughs> malaise nays is what they are. Ew. There's too many like vowels in that word. Yeah, it's very gross. Oh, I got. I have a question for both of you. I, I meant to bring this up earlier, but do you think Casario signing like an impact quality defensive tackle, like Indomitian Sue or something, would that bring some spiciness to a Shaq Lawson, Jacob Martin line if Indomitian Sue is like the the center of it? Like, would it, hmm. would that make something interesting? Yeah, I, I mean, I think so because like Sue's a, a really good player and like. He takes on double teams. He collapses the interior of the pocket. He makes it easy to be an edge rusher, you know, and like even it's kind of the basketball team. Like you want to have youth if you're rebuilding, but you want to have like one or two like good veterans to add to, to teach him how to play, like create easier uh, opportunities for him. And so I just don't think like even the players they have here is like good from like that leadership aspect or example. Like I think the Texans just signed a bunch of 55 overall players in Madden and, uh, and like hit autofill roster and let's go on to the next year because I'm trying to get to 2030, you know, 2022, you know. Pretty pretty much, pretty much, yeah. Which means the draft is now our last, you know, hope for this season for something interesting to happen. So, so Joe, who's, so your favorite player is Kirksey. Carlos is, is Malik Collins. Is that correct? Yes. That's fair. I, I, could, <laughs> I, could see, I could see all that. I think my favorite player probably is Bunch. I would guess Tyrod. No, we'll talk about Tyrod in a second. <laughs> I really don't know. Like I man, it's this is hard. I want to say Derek Rivers only because he was a good prospect four years ago and he's been hurt and he's like had his whole leg blown up. But the Jack Eastby connection, the fact that he married him not once but twice. <laughs> he married him twice. Makes me not really like Derek Rivers very much though. Uh, so man, I don't know. I need I need some more time. Football teams aren't built in March; they're built in September. They're built by September. Right. Okay. Okay. We'll take a rain check on that then. <laughs> uh, so, Carlos, Carlos, mm-hmm. my uh, my next question for you is: with with these decisions that were made, do you think there's a better like? Do you have a better feel for if the Texans are going to trade Deshaun Watts or not after seeing? who they've signed and the decisions they made during free agency. Okay. So if we're just going base off decision and free agency, I would have said absolutely. Yes. Now um, he, he will be traded. However, uh, you know, ex- uh, circumstances that um, have come up, you know, it, it muddies the water a lot on, you know, potential plans in that uh, situation. But um, I think based around uh, these decisions that they've made for the roster, um, I don't know. It, I, <laughs> if if I were definitely trying to get back into Sean Watson's goodwill, I mean, I know a lot of these guys like, you know, oh, like Shaq Lawson and uh, Shaq Lawson and the connection that he has with Deshaun and like 
trying to scoop up some of his buddies from college and you know whenever um is one way to appease him but if i were really trying to get on sean's good side i would try to show him that you know hey we're trying to build a a competent roster which they can't really do realistically um but uh you know i just think that it, it definitely is conductive to getting rid of him um it, it would make sense to trade him and get back a you know king's ransom of of picks and uh value like i think they leaked the bears offer for russell wilson it mm-hmm. was like three firsts a third and, and two starters yeah and so you know that could immediately i wouldn't say turn around the team definitely not but you know it could definitely put us from two and 16 or uh, i mean two and 14 and uh oh and 16 or it could put us at like maybe i don't know five and you know five and four or whatever uh you know a little bit better and mm-hmm. so uh you know i think just based off of the roster moves alone um i think it would definitely push for sean being traded yeah i mean i i, w- I would love an offer that chicago gave to the seattle for sean watson getting those three first round. i would like a high pick because i'd like to draft a yeah, quarterback, exactly. which they don't have but if we can get, you know, in that simulator, I, I I had them trade to Chicago for Roquan Smith and Darnell Mooney and a few and a few first rounders and a second rounder, and I'll take I'll take Roquan Smith and Darnell Mooney. I'll take them or Kyle Fuller or something who might be on the on the trading block. Anyways, mm-hmm. like I'll take any of those guys. Yeah, I think like I don't know. I think you have to get top like a high draft pick for Chicago, but I think I think it starts with three first round picks. I think you went four. And that's why I like the Jets trade or the or even the potentially the Dolphins, just because they have those extra first round picks that um, the other teams don't have. They can offer you too. I like I, the thing about it, it's like if they are trying to make decisions for Watson, they made really bad decisions. Like this isn't how you build a football team around Watson. There's always things you can do with how you structure contracts to lower the cap hit for this year to maximize his talents for this season. The Texans need just like talent, and they need top talent, and they didn't add any of that at all whatsoever. And like like turning like an incompetent roster into slightly incompetent doesn't really necessarily change that. But like, if you want to appease Watson, you fire Jack Easterby, you bring back Will Fuller, you like get the weapons he needs to have like a top five offense. And uh, they haven't done that all whatsoever. So I do think it lends itself to the fact that they're going to trade Watson, but it's like at the same time you're going to trade Watson. Like why pay David Johnson? Why sign Mark Ingram? Why, uh, why make a pick swap with the Patriots or Marcus Cannon? There's just there's just this weird mismatch between what they've done. There really hasn't like a unified kind of vision, which has been just surprising to me after everything you hear about Nick Casario. And then the second thing is like if they do trade Watson, none of this stuff matters. Like none of the free agency matters at all. None of the players they sign matters. None of the trades they make matter. The only thing that matters is the package that they get for Watson if they decide to trade for him. And so it's like we won't think about Kevin Pierre Lewis at all. We'll think about you know the four first round picks that they got. The second overall pick that they turned into, you know, Zach Wilson to make Joe Chris happy. And that's what we'll think about this offseason. That's what that's what's actually important. Not necessarily the signs that they made this offseason. So I don't know. I think it's a, a bad and dumb offseason if Watson's the quarterback or they try to make him sit out for a year. And I think it's been uh it's it doesn't we don't know it all until they trade Watson. If this if this is a good free agency period or not, or a good offseason for the Texans, until we kind of see what the package would actually be for him. Yeah, I mean, I was expecting a lot of the questionable and like boring moves from Nick Casario because he made a ton of those at New England. Just a lot of boring signings that just to fill in the roster while they try to go to a Super Bowl again. Um, and 
So all of those odd linebacker signings didn't surprise me. But the Mark Ingram signing, that's a weird one. And keeping David Johnson around and Randall Cobb and Merciless still. <laughs> it's just, I don't, I, he must be, I don't know if like someone is convincing him to keep him around or something. <laughs> but it's, it's really weird. Yeah. And the thing is like, you can't trade Cobb and make it and, like, if you trade Cobb, it hurts your salary cap this year. If you trade Merciless, it hurts your salary cap this year. Uh, like, but if you can get a pick for either one, I think it's something that you would do. But no team's going to trade it, trade for Merciless or Cobb. And those are like players that you send with Watson or whatever. And again, like if you trade them, it doesn't help your uh, salary cap at all. You lose money if you trade out of the, either one of those players or release them as well too. But like just them having on the roster and taking away snaps from QD or Greenard um, or Jacob Martin, like that's what hurts the Texans with with them on the roster at all. Um, to begin with this wall too. But yeah, it's, I don't know. I think it just kind of comes down to the fact that whatever they get for Watson is kind of really the only thing that matters at all. So Carlos, do you think any of the players that they sign are going to be on the next good Texans team? Um, no, mostly because I think all of them are just stop gaps. Um, you know, short one-year, two-year deals. Um, there may be some standouts that, you know, earn themselves a nice contract somewhere else after your tenure here. Um, like for example, going back to McCollins, let's say he does have really, you know, a decently solid year next year on a really bad Texan squad. You know, he could end up landing somewhere with a much larger contract. Um, you know, maybe something like a three-year, I don't know, thirty-five, forty million dollar contract somewhere, just being a walk-in, you know, rotational player. Uh, he could have something like that, um, but. Uh, I think most of these guys are just here as fodder. Um, nobody's really going to be staying a long time. Really, the only guys that we're going to see here uh, in the long term are going to be whatever guys we get back in a potential Watson trade. Um, and really, that's it. Like It's going to be a youth revolution in the next year or two. Um, everything through the draft, whatever we can. And um, you know, whenever we have a ton of cap space, then we'll go shopping for veterans. Mm-hmm. Which, which that, that I meant to ask you guys a question earlier, but I'll ask now. I keep waiting for the moment to like wake up and pick up my phone and see that Deshaun Watson has been traded, or like waiting for like the feeling to wash over me, like oh my god, it's about to happen or something, like some sixth sense warning me that something big's about to drop on Twitter. But it hasn't happened <laughs> yet. So, so when do you guys think? What when is it going to happen? When are we going to see the Adam Schefter tweet? that Sean Watson has gone to the Jets for a million first-round picks. When is it happening? I think two weeks before the draft, if it happens. I don't want to wait that long. Because I think at least it gives them the time. Like They've already scouted their quarterbacks. They know who they want. They know their strategy and how they kind of play along with like where they can trade down, that sort of thing, um, once they get to that point. you know. But I think if it happens, it happens like two weeks before the draft. What do you think, Carlos? I'd have to, I'd have to agree with Matt. Um I definitely think it would be closer to the draft because a they get to scout you know whatever players they want and b even if the team that they want to draft with is also scouting potential quarterbacks, none of them are going to be as good as Watson. And so regardless, I mean maybe in a few years, but out of the gate, you know, uh, initial impact, they're not going to be as good as Watson. And so um, he won't lose that value there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it would be closer to the draft. Yeah, I think that too. And like you also get teams more desperate, kind of like the further along this goes. Like Carolina, for example, they're supposedly like all in on training for Watson. That was the rumor today. And now it's like two weeks before the draft. Like you have a Sam Reddick, you have this young defense, you have like your offense in place. And you're like, 
we'll do anything we can to make this happen and kind of go above and beyond um, to make a trade like that occur. So I think it kind of creates more desperation, like in teams in the side instead of trying to trade up and actually have to give up, you know, maybe a first round pick that they have to give up anyways to get a quarterback who's unknown quantity. Why not get a top five quarterback and trade four first instead and um, make that same sort of thing happen too. So Joe, are you ready to talk about Tyrod Taylor now? I am so ready, except, except wait. Uh, I saw someone on the Twitch chat say, Houston, who do you see? What positions do you prioritize in a rebuild, Tampa 2 aside? I don't know how they answer that question, but I feel like that might open a good response from one of us, but I don't know how they answer that question. Well, I mean, I think it's quarterback, and then yeah. you kind of pray and hope you get a quarterback, and then in the meantime, if you don't have a good quarterback, you you have a quarterback at least on rookie contract so you can spin in for agency and kind of build some other parts of the roster out. Uh, but like in a rebuild, the most important thing is draft capital. And so it's all about maximizing that draft capital as much as possible and then finding your core players through the NFL draft and then kind of build out and find your needs from there for agency and kind of see like, and I think it's kind of like a, like throwing darts, you know, you kind of accidentally, re, you kind of accidentally build your team out, you know, like who knows if player, you know, X falls to you at like, you know, 17th and all of a sudden you have a great offensive line that you were prepared to have. And now you know that you're a great offensive line. So now you don't have to pay for running backs. And now maybe you have to pay as much a run defense and that sort of thing. It kind of lends itself to that. But I think it's like, it's quarterback. And then I would say it's pass rush. And then if you can nail down those two things, football's kind of easy after that. Yeah, that, that's that's what I was thinking, um, is that it has to be the draft. But then you have a handful, like like Miami just went through the rebuild, and a lot of their production and success has been by signing free agents. So I don't know what comes first, draft or clearing up cap space so you can sign impact free agents, because there's, there, there's ways to go about doing it successfully. I prefer the draft. I prefer that. But you I forgot about uh, a very important part about Miami, their rebuild is the most important thing is to go from Adam Gase as your head coach to somebody else's head coach. <laughs> and that's the most important way to rebuild. We forget about that portion of it. It's too bad we can't trade Ryan Tannehill for a fourth round pick. <laughs> and, and then, yeah, and then turn to Brian Flores in some, in some way. Um, so Tyrod Taylor was the quarterback the Texans decided to sign this offseason. They could have signed Amy Dalton. It doesn't sound like Jameis was on the table at all. He was dead set going to New Orleans. No other quarterbacks have really signed yet as well either, but the Texans decided to be aggressive, get their backup slash potentially uh, potential starting quarterback in Tyrod Taylor. So, Taylor, so Joe, are you excited for the Tyrod Taylor era? Are you yes, ready I, for him to be the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans? Yeah, yes, I am. I, I enjoyed watching his highlights in 2016 and 2017, and then he had like – like kind of a good game in Cleveland and then he and then he got hurt and then he had like you know 0.3 of a good game at Los Angeles and then he got hurt um and I just know that he's pretty accurate when throwing the deep ball at least the last time he started his his most accurate spot was down the field on these on these long like post routes and he has the ability to improvise and to run on his own. I don't know if he's good at that anymore because he started that one game in Cincinnati for Los Angeles, and he was kind of crummy that entire game. Like he made that like one sad. Throw. That gave hurt yeah. my feelings. Yeah, kind of like I was kind of excited to see what that Los Angeles team had in it because I thought that LA team might like have enough spunk to like find themselves in the in the playoff on a few year, a few weeks down the line, but. I don't know, man, he was boring in that Cincinnati game. So I'm kind of worried that this is the new boring era of Tyra Taylor and not the exciting era. But 
I mean, he also had a really bad playoff game for Buffalo in 2017. So I guess you never really know what you're going to get with Tyrod. I just know that he he has running ability like Watson. He's He used to be at least accurate down the field like Watson. So I'd love to see a 40-yard pass to Brandon Cooks every every game from Tyrod, and I'll be happy. <laughs> so, Carlos, are you ready for the Tyrod Taylor era? Um. You know, I, I, I don't hate it. Um, aside all the jokes about Andy Dalton, I, I would have hated watching him commandeer <laughs> oh my God, the Texans yeah. this season. And AJ, it would have been just as bad as AJ McCarron, really. They're both just so bland and boring. Um, but uh, Tyrod, to me, is just a little bit more exciting. Um, he has a little bit more of the skill set that we currently have in Deshaun. Um, he's mobile enough. He can make some plays. Um, Taylor's always been, like, I guess the bridesmaid, well, he was brought on to be the bride and then eventually gets bridesmaid. Um, and so like, he's been Matt Flynn like three times where he's brought in mm-hmm. to be the guy and then gets, uh, you know, taken over by some young hot quarterback. Um, and so finally he's going to get some job security here since he was in Buffalo, um, at least for this year. And, um, I think he'll be serviceable. I think we'll see him make some flash uh, flash plays. Um, but I just, I don't know. Uh, it's better than the alternative for sure. Like Jameis would have been really cool, but I don't think he was ever going to get out of New Orleans too. Um, but It makes me so sad. They keep stringing him along, you know? <laughs> you just either want him or you don't. Let him go right. somewhere else, you know, make up your mind. I can't believe they kept Taysom and they kept Jameis and they're going to not play him all this year. Don't even get me started on Taysom Hill. (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, like Tyrod, like he started in Buffalo in 15, 16, and 17. Greg Roman was the offensive coordinator for him in 15 and 16. Those two years, he was eighth in passing offense DVOA, 19th in passing offense DVOA. A lot of people forget this, but the Bills had a top 10 offense in 2015, but Rex Ryan came in and ruined their defense by making like a 3-4 high blitz defense. And crush their like front four pass defense that or their front four pass rush that was crushing teams and really kind of screwed that whole team up and completely destroyed their defense. And like their offense finally came in where they could be a Super Bowl contending team potentially. And then Ryan ruined that entire defense. But then 18, he fell at 22nd in passing DVOA. That was also with Rich Dennison as the offensive coordinator, too, as well. Um, and he's also like a very good runner at the same time. And so, like, with Taylor, like if you build an offense that's a power run offense that you can utilize him as a passer, and you throw a lot of play action for him, like he can be fine, you know, but he's not going to be good in like a Tim Kelly like spread offense that the Texans just ran with Deshaun Watson. He'd be good in like David Coley's offense, you know, and I'm sitting here just shaking with excitement, imagining Tyrod Taylor in a David Coley offense where he can, you know, be used as a, as a runner, be used in like a power gap scheme. Uh, zone read game like they've been using with Lamar Jackson, Baltimore. And like maybe if they do that, that'd be okay. But the problem is that the defense is really bad. And so Tyrod Taylor is your quarterback and your defense is really bad. Your team your, your team is going to be bad because Tyrod Taylor can't score more than like you know, maybe 24 points in a game. The other thing about Taylor is like he's kind of boring and probably his best quality is not throwing interceptions. He has an interception rate of just 1.4% in his career and his touchdown and interception ratio is 54 to 20. So I think you're going to see like a guy who doesn't make mistakes, who's mobile, who throws the ball away a lot. He'll be used as a runner. And uh, I think it's just be boring. You know, like if the text to be bad, I at least want it to be like bad and stupid and outrageous uh, instead of just like, 
you know, going to Catholic mass in your, in your khaki pants. <laughs> but you, you brought up a good point. So he's, he's probably going to function and a Baltimore like Lamar Jackson offense is probably what we're going to run. It's probably why we brought in Mark Ingram. So like if we were to like trade Watson and get like a top five pick, what, what quarterback is most like Lamar Jackson out of those like big five? I don't think Probably. it matters though, you know? Like I think you just I, kind of draft a quarterback and build an offense for him after that. Maybe. I don't know. I, I well I mean like I think the ratings for Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance are similar. And if Trey Lance falls to us, you know, David Culley might say, Hey, I can build another Lamar Jackson out of Trey Lance and we might get Trey Lance. Oh god, <laughs> I have to I'm sorry, I have to save that for for April. But I just realized that makes a whole lot of sense for David Culley. <laughs> oh wow uh, so Carlos do you think Tyrod Taylor is going to be the Texans starting quarterback week one 2021 at this point yes yes I really really do because either Watson is gone or Watson is sitting there's not really an in between there's not a way of getting him to put on a uniform and a helmet and you know take a beating for this team there's no way um what we get back or how long, you know, he decides to sit out is definitely up in the air. But I think for sure we're seeing Tyrod Taylor as our Houston Texans starting quarterback uh, week one, for sure. I completely agree. So, Joe, what do you think? Tyrod Taylor, week one, 2021, starting quarterback, Houston Texans. Do you see it? Yes, absolutely. But it's only going to last a couple of weeks because it's how it works. And then Trey Lance is going to take over and he's going to go Justin point. Herbert on him. That's a great book. Uh, Tara Taylor can only play one week as a starter before somebody <laughs> else comes to take the lead. It happened to Cleveland. It happened to Los Angeles. Maybe they can yeah. get the same team doctor the Chargers have to make that process go a little bit quicker. Like yeah, get that like 20-inch you know? needle. Yeah. <laughs> I joked around last year that the Chargers MVP was the team doctor that got Justin Herbert to start and wind up in week two <laughs> instead of week nine, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh man! Oh man! We're gonna have Trey Lance is gonna be the rookie of the year. We're gonna go six and ten. It's gonna be Super Bowl next year. I'm ready. <laughs> that's, that's the best possible outcome. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you would see a world where like Taylor starts. Hopefully, they draft a rookie quarterback and Taylor starts for you know a month or six weeks. And it's like, all right, let's see what uh, Zach Wilson has or Justin Fields has or Trey Lance has, and and kind of get an idea of what the future can look like whenever we can add you know, three first-round picks around him as well, too, and, uh, and kind of build a team around this quarterback on his rookie contract and actually take advantage of a quarterback on a rookie contract, unlike what the Texans did with Deshaun Watson. So where would your guys' preferred place for Watson to get traded to? What, like, where, where, where could you see him with, like, a Miami helmet, New York like helmet? To, to flourish or for, like, the best uh, trade package the Houston Texans could receive? Either way, I, I you can answer that however way you want. I okay. I I say Carolina because I think Watson would look beautiful in Carolina. Like I think he just looked great in the in that uniform, the colors, and everything. And uh, I just think he looks like a Panther. I think he would be beautiful there. Okay. Okay. Um, if it's gonna be return, I, I definitely like uh, I like Miami. Um, I don't know. I just think that teal would rock really well with them. Uh. But if I could throw him anywhere, God, I would hate myself for saying it. But I, I, I would actually throw him in San Francisco because uh, I don't know that red and gold. I mean, their uniforms in general just look really nice, and mm-hmm. so I think 
spots and could really kill those. Yeah. I, I think if, if I had to pick the two, I think I'd like Carolina over the 49ers because I'm kind of like like Carolina's only been to one Super Bowl and 49ers have been yeah. to like nine or whatever. So seeing mm. care and I like Matt Rule and I like Joe Brady. So if both of them can succeed under Watson and they and they can play well, that'd be exciting. But part of me wants to see him under Arthur Smith at Atlanta. You know, go back home to Georgia. Mm-hmm. You know, Arthur Smith drafts like Najee Harris or Javante Williams in this year's draft to pair with Watson. You know, he cleans up that power run game and Watson goes like double Tannehill on him, like in the NFC South and beats Brady or something. That would be really satisfying to see. Um, I, don't, I couldn't see him in that outfit though, but I could see everything. Else. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Falcons like two tone, like, Black to red jerseys are despicable, but I do think yeah. he'd score 37 points a game in Atlanta as well, too. I, I've run out before, but I do think the Jets have the best package they could offer because they can offer four first-round picks and then two second-round picks, and then who cares like if they whatever else happens after that point? Because, again, a rebuild, um, draft capital is the most important portion of that, too. So I don't know. I still think he's traded. I think we're going to see Tyrod Taylor for – you know, I, I want to say one week after what well, you guys have uh, helped me uncover today about what he did in Cleveland and then what happened in Los Angeles this year. I think we'll see Taylor for six weeks and he's going to be one in five and then we'll see the rookie and then maybe there'll be an offensive line there um, as well too. So I know we kind of alluded to this earlier uh, as well, but Carlos, it's the 2021 Texan season. Watson's been traded. Aside from maybe a potential rookie quarterback, which player are you most excited to watch for the Texans in 2021? <sighs> Hmm. Now, if he gets moved, that would eliminate him, but it's going to be very like masochistic and very uh, like negative, but I would love to see Whitney Merciless and just how, how low can that, how low can he get on a really <laughs> bad Texans defense? How much lower, how much more non-existent can Whitney Merciless be? Like just do a Whitney <laughs> watch line of articles where it's like unbelievably benign, like, or like, you know, nothing stat lines, um, just week to week. Just <laughs> this is what Whitney Merciless did this week, and here's a hot, here's not highlights, but a single highlight, and it's like him getting pushed like ten miles off the line. Uh, I think it's a very mean thing to do, but I think we should do it if they trade Watson, <laughs> and I'll put the clips yeah. together if we need just, if we need just it. Lean in, just lean into it. Yeah, I'll post the video every week. Whitney watch week one just, instead of Josh Allen highlights because everybody loves Josh Allen now. I can yeah. do that instead. That's really, you know, there's like it, like you know, Zach Cunningham kind of has that Christian Kirksey thing to him. Uh, but like Zach Cunningham has been good for a significant stretch of time, so you'd hope to see him return to form in 2021 and you know get back to being good. Um, Justin Reed is the same. May you know I. I still, I still want to see the rookies. I still want to see, I still yeah. want to see what we got last year with Ross Blacklock, Grenard, and John Reed. That's really, that's it. That has to be my answer. It has to be like I want to see the new guys and see what we have because we didn't really see much of any of them last year. And you'll probably have twelve or fifteen different rookies to watch this year because the yeah. is going to trade down to get like thirty seventh round picks, and they'll sign twenty seven undrafted free agents as well. So there'll be a lot of those sort of guys to get to watch too. Um, for me, it'd be Titus Howard because I think Howard's a really great pass protector. He can't run oh, yeah. block at all, but maybe playing his, playing next to Marcus Cannes instead of Zach Fulton will help him in that regard. 
Uh, and maybe also just teach him a run block at the right tackle position with Cannon there. I think it'd be helpful for Howard too. But I like watching Howard pass pass block. He's just so wide, you know. It's like traveling around the entire globe to get to the quarterback with him over there. And uh, I'll probably watch him on offense. And then on defense, I'll probably go to the bathroom. I don't know what I'll do when they have the ball. I'll watch Eric Murray play slot quarterback. I don't know. Uh, Talk to me in six months, and I'll have a better idea who who I'll watch for when the Texans are on defense next year. Dang, we're taking a rain check on Mark Ingram. All the Mark (laughs) Ingram fans are mad. So, so Joe, how many – so Mark Ingram will make – an extra million dollars if he has a thousand rushing yards this year. How many carries does Mark Ingram have to have to have one thousand rushing yards? Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> How many did David Johnson have? And what he only mustered like what eight hundred yards or something? Yeah, I but he like I said three hundred twenty. Is what I said. He had he had six ninety one last year. On 147 carries, so Mark and that's, Ingram. And that's what Deshaun Watson at quarterback too. Yeah, so you get Mark some Ingram, wide boxes, some easy running lanes. He's gonna need at least like I don't know, 230, 250, 250 carries. I think he would need at least 300. Yeah, really yeah, do. yeah, yeah. 300 is probably is probably a better number. God dang, <laughs> Mark Ingram, what happened? <laughs> so just told to the devil. Jeez. Running backs get old. They're they're like bananas, you know. So call us about they're like avocados. They're like, well, I guess they're both kind of bad. We'll go yeah. bananas and avocados. Uh about you, Carlos. How many carries would it take for Mark Ingram to hit a thousand yards? I mean, shoot. I mean, just jokes, I'd say five hundred, you know, two yards a carry, just chugging along. Um, but realistically, I think uh I don't know, we'll we'll see some decent chunk runs. Uh he'll probably average somewhere in the realm of like four yards a carry maybe. So what's that? It's a big number. I don't know. Two point two hundred fifty. Yeah, let's just yeah, two fifty. Sure. You're so young and, and beautiful and optimistic, Carlos. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> uh, I'm going I'm going with three hundred. So based off the current roster of the Texas so over the cap right now has the Texas with four point two million dollars in cap space. Uh, Joe, are there any players you want to see the Texans target? with the little bit of cap space that they have. And I guess they could potentially, you know, kind of play or two, create a little bit more cap space if they needed to. Is there anybody really catching your eye at the moment, though? I don't think so. Most of the people that are left that, I mean, like, Dom Kinsu, like, I would like him. Um, but like I said, I kind of want to see what Ross Blacklock has. But making Ross Blacklock start a lot might be a mistake. Uh, so Ndamukong Sue would be nice. Um, he'd definitely be better than P.J. Hall. Uh Big almost I, I, play PJ Hall. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that's the only guy I can think of that we can afford because most of my eyes on free agency have been on players we can't afford now. So mm-hmm. the only one I can think of right now that we can definitely make a push towards and would definitely make an impact is Indominus Sue. Sign him to, you know, a two, three year deal, make it, uh, you know, heavy at the end. Yeah, so you, you have to be like, Three years, $45 million, and he'd have a cap hit of $6 million this year. And then it's like 2021, he has a $25 million hit. It's like, yeah, I guess we're going to do this. Or 2022, oh you're paying him $25 million. I think he would <laughs> sign a one-year, like, $16 million contract play in Houston. And you can cut, like, Cam McGregor Hill and some of these other guys to make that happen already, you know? Yeah, you, you, 
Yeah, I'll watch him. I'll watch. It's, it's it's it comes to the question of well, would I watch him? And the answer is yeah. Yeah, I'd watch him. <laughs> uh, Carlos, you, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you got, Carlos? Who are your so Texas at four point two million dollars in cap space according to over the cap? Are there any free agents you like to see them target? Um, you know, actually, we don't really have a need for it. But Malik Hooker would be pretty interesting. Uh, oh yeah, Malik Hooker would be good. Would be interesting just because I remember all the draft profiles and stuff, and he was coming out like you know he's supposed they to call be him like, Earl Thomas. Yeah, yeah, he's supposed to be like do it all, you know, super stud. Um, he was pretty. Uh, he would have been pretty interesting. I see somebody in the chat actually mentioned Dore Jackson, and that would be too smart. Uh, that would be just too smart. I I can't bank on that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you Dory, think we could, we think we could afford Malcolm Butler? He's just—he's already thirty-two though, and he was pretty bad. Like he was—he was average in Tennessee last year, and he was very expensive. That's why they cut him. Uh, but I think I think Butler makes sense, but because of the the Patriot Sal thing, but I wouldn't—I would not want him on this version of the Texans, even with Watson quarterback as well. Like you wouldn't be like your fourth quarterback nowadays. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But he, like, if you're playing like cover seven or cover four, I think you'd be okay with him. But if you if he's if he's playing any man coverage at all, it's a bad thing to have. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think Adore is a great one. I think Adore will probably maybe. I mean, I, who knows that everybody needs cornerbacks. I could see him sign like a three three year forty million dollar contract somewhere. Um, so I don't know if it would necessarily make sense. So mine are uh, Cam Sims. I think he'd be signed for like a one year four million dollar contract. Mm-hmm. Big and fast and great after the catch. Uh, big yeah. possession field. Uh, a big like downfield possession receiver. He's like if Mike Williams could get was better after the catch, but worse in the air, you know. And okay. uh, think of him as like a Keystone Light version of Mike Williams, where you can drink it a lot faster, but it's not as good, you know. I forgot he was a free agent. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's fun. He's a lot of fun too. I think Rashard Higgins would make sense. Also, he's only twenty six years old. The Texans were outbid on uh, John Brown. And then also, uh, not Marvin Lewis, Marvin Jones, who signed Jacksonville. So I think they're in the market for another receiver. I think Richard Higgins makes sense because he's 26 years old. He's flashed some. I had Malik Hooker as well. Uh, I think in a Tampa 2 defense, where he only has to play midfield to sideline, and the game's a lot simpler in this defense than the man match stuff you have to deal with in Indianapolis, where his brain just didn't work for his body well enough to put him in, put him in enough spots to make plays. I think really kind of hurt him in the Indy. But I think in Houston, it'd be better for him. I like Sheldon Rankins. I know he wasn't all that great last year, and he has been very good since he blew out his Achilles. But he was awesome until that happened um, back in 2018. And the last guy I have is Larry Ogunjobi. We kind of going back to like the Indomitian Sioux thing, where you want like an interior pass rusher. He has some really great pass rush moves. Um, he can be kind of lazy at times. He's kind of high in the run game, but he's a he's a really like skillful pass rusher. And so I think Ogunjobi would be like a type of guy. Like it's Malik Collins, you could have signed Ogunjobi and probably been better off. Um, I really like him, and who knows what his market's actually going to be too. But those are five guys that I think Houston could target, you know, for uh, a pretty cheap contract potentially uh, in the next like you know, few days or next four weeks or six weeks or however long it takes for kind of free agency to die down this year. Ogunjobi was great in like 2017 or 18 or something. I don't know how much he did in 2020, but he was great a couple of years ago. If we signed Higgins, Cam Sims, and Ogunjobi, I think I would have a strange love for this team because those are all weird players that I kind of like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's kind of thing about the decisions Kasiria made. It's like I want 
like weird kind of interesting like fun guys to watch who kind of flash and they got a bunch of non-playable characters instead like they didn't even sign the guy who sells you potions in the video game they got the guy who like you know has one line dialogue whenever you walk next to him he talks about how beautiful the sun is today or whatever and that's who <laughs> Claire McGregor Hill is and I want some guys who sell the potion and we'll tell you a few weird lines of dialogue and the Texans to even get that in a lot of these positions um, this free agency period too. Like I think Richard Higgins is that I think Sims is that I think some of these other guys are. So who knows what they'll do for the next like eight weeks or so. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so we had, we had three listener questions in tonight's show. Are y'all ready for them? Let's go. So do the it. first one here, Carlos is for you. This is from at Houston football three on Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. Texans abyss. He's, He's a very you know, beautiful man. Uh, he's a good friend of ours now. Uh, I enjoy talking to him on the air. Now, he tried to come on to the mega podcast, but he had some connection issues that didn't work out. But his first question was, I still don't see who the starting quarterbacks are. So, Carlos, who would be the starting quarterbacks for the 2021 Texans based off who they have on the roster right now? That's kind of tough because uh, looking at it right now, I think it's going to have to be – Roby's still here, right? He hasn't left yet. Yep, he's still here. It's going to be Roby. Uh, depending on what we do with Lonnie Johnson, if he stays at safety or not, um, or if they decide to move him back. But he could be there. Uh, Vernon Hargraves is going gonna, is gonna to play significant time. Unbelievable. Again, which is absolutely freaking ridiculous. I uh, forgot about it. I'm so mad now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's ridiculous. And so uh, Vernon Hargraves is going to get some playing time. I think, I think maybe just maybe um, this Terrence Mitchell that we signed uh, may, may end up rounding out the, the final bits of it uh, and see some significant playing time over like somebody like, I don't know, a Keenan cross that saw time last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we might see him step up into it, but I think it's probably going to be Roby. And then it really hinges on what they decide to do with Lonnie because, you know, who knows what, what the hell to do with him. I think they're, I think they're going to keep him at safety. I think he could play corner in a, in a Levy Smith defense because it's you just kind of send the flat and then use your body to defend the corner routes, you know. But uh, I think they're gonna keep. I think they're gonna put him at safety instead because they're the Texans. But yeah, I think it's. I, I could see Roby get traded as well if they trade Watson for some cap space, maybe get like a third or fourth round pick out of them. But I would. I would say Roby, and then I would say uh, Terrence Mitchell on the other outside, and then Eric Murray slot cornerback or Vernon Hargrave slot cornerback. Because I, I can't believe Hargraves is going to play like 700 snaps this year because one guy's going to get hurt and then we're going to be stuck seeing him you know, time and time again. Definitely. Yeah, ridiculous. I, I think it'll be Roby and whoever probably performs the best in, uh, in, in camp. That'll probably be it. It'll probably be just an open competition for the number two spot. And I'd like to see John Reed win it because I just want to see him play football for the Texans. Uh, but it's probably going to be Vernon Hargraves again. I, I think my brain is telling me, my heart is telling me that Vernon Hargraves is going to be our number two to start the season. I, I, I That was war. Just, that was war. That was an act of war by Nick Casario <laughs> to bring Vernon Hargraves back. I, I still can't believe it. Like, they're just screwing with us. Like That was really like, well, let's see how loyal they are to this team. Let's see how much they actually care. We'll sign Vernon Hargraves and see what he might, how they react and how it happens. And I don't think he might really care that much except for me. You know, I was very upset. I still am. He's going to start just because you hate him that much. They're, they're going to spite you. And they're going to give him the starting job right off he the bat. He started 16 gonna... games last year. It's unbelievable. He started was... every game at outside. He's like 5'10". <laughs> 
he started every game and, out, and they were playing cover three. And he started like every game an outside cornerback. I'll he must get do something it. amazing in camp or practice. He must be unstoppable in I'm practice. Sure a, I'm sure he's a nice guy, you know, but I it's unreal. <laughs> so the next question here is that is it by Houston Football Three? Is it it's safe to assume Watts will be traded before the draft? But will Tunsil be gone by the draft or after 2021? And so I'll pass this over to you, Joe. Will Tunsil be gone before the draft or after the 2021 season? That's a good question. I think it'll be, I think it'll be after the season. I do, I, because based on what we were talking about before, I think it just our our offensive line. It, I don't know if they if they like if they really like a tackle in like the late first round or the second round or something, and they think they can get him by tossing Tunsil to a team on day two of the draft. You know, get like the 40th overall pick for Jalen Mayfield or something if he drops. Like if, if they, it really might come down to that, it might come down to after the first round, who's 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 the best tackle left available that we can trade uh, Laramie Tunsil to get, and if there's no one available that they don't they don't like, it'll be Laramie Tunsil for 2021, and I think that's going to happen. I think Jalen Mayfield will probably be gone in the first round or the really early second round, and they won't be able to get any of those early second round picks with Tunsil's contract. Yeah, I, yeah, again, I I can't see him being traded at all this year. Just because of who's writing the Texans, and even though it'd be the right decision to trade Tensel, because again, like if you can get first round pick for him, you don't need to pay a left tackle nineteen million dollars for a bad football team. Um, and if you get first or even like a middle second round pick, I think that'd be worthwhile. But I don't think he'll be traded this year. I think it will, and I don't think next year either. Like, because it's still gonna be Easter Easterby at least for another year, probably. So I can see happy next year either. I think he's here for the long haul, though. Um, what about you, Carlos? I wish he would be traded. Um, it would definitely make the most sense, but I think uh, I think this organization wants to protect their uh, crown jewel, Tyrod Taylor, for you know the next year and then whoever they get after that. And so uh, uh, I I can't see him getting moved anymore. But if he were to be moved, it would definitely be before uh, before the draft. I think um, if they were to do it, I don't think it, it would make any sense to do it afterwards. I mean. We're looking at first round pick ideally to get back in return, you know, get something back on that return uh, for what we spent for. And so ideally it would be something immediate as well, something this year. And so uh, afterwards, I mean, what's even the point? Like we're looking for pieces to rebuild now, um, you know, so we can develop and uh, I don't know. Ideally it would be before the draft, but I just can't really see it happening. Yeah, like it'd be the ultimate New England Patriots decision to make, but the problem is like the Texans aren't like fully a football team. They're a football team, like thirty, like ten percent, and nine percent is like weird kind of like creativeness thing that uh, you really can't understand that makes decisions that have nothing to do with the game itself. So I think it's a smart decision. I think it's the money ball decision. I think it's the analytical decision. I think it's the Patriots decision to make. But the Texans aren't run just by you know Nick Casario. There's a lot of other things going on too. Um, so our, our last co- question tonight, Joe, by at Houston Football Three. How legitimate are the Mike Lombardi claims that Watson only want to go to the San Francisco 49ers or the Denver Broncos, and he does not want to play football in Miami or for the New York Jets? How legitimate do you think these claims are? I don't. I don't, I don't think they're very legitimate. Like I, I like Mike Lombardi. And I imagine there's some weight to what he's saying. Like I imagine someone that he actually trusts told him that. But I think, I think Watson is 
completely completely fine with going to Miami and Miami especially because they were 10 and 6 last year and they're literally a quarterback away from being a pretty great team. So I couldn't I I could not understand in any world why Deshaun Watson would be terrified of going to Miami so badly that he explicitly says he doesn't want to go there. Same with New York who are I can understand him not wanting to be there cuz they're building New York has been awful for so long. But mm-hmm. They've obviously been making some positive moves recently, and you know they're coming up. Uh, but Denver has been messy the whole like forever, so I'm not really sure why he'd want to go there. And the 49ers, I can get it, but I don't think they have any draft capital that would make it enticing. So I I I, I don't think there's any way to it because I think Deshaun Watson isn't an idiot. He's not going to the 49ers anytime soon. <laughs> like I don't think I don't think there's any reason to give a trade like that some sort of weight because I couldn't imagine in any world uh, the 49ers offering enough unless they're willing to give up Trent Williams. No, because we wouldn't take Trent Williams because he's too yeah, much money. I, so it would have to be like five first rounders or something. I, so I think the 49ers trade package would be you would get Nick Bosa, you would get. Uh, Fred Warner, and then you would get that you get those two players and probably three first round picks, and then maybe like two second round picks, and uh, and they would all be picks probably like in the in the late twenties or whatever. But at least yeah. like you have two cores on your defense. Now you just need like you know a cornerback and a safety. And you have a good pass defense already, and uh, and then you have like extra picks to build around late twenties or whatever. And like, yeah. I guess you get like the sixteenth overall pick this year, fourteenth overall, whatever it be for San Francisco. So like. It would be like a, a souped-up version of the Carolina offer, where if you want to rebuild your entire defense with young players, except Carolina's like it's kind of unknown still what Derek Brown's going to be or you know Jeremy Chin's going to be, but you know exactly what, uh, or I guess Justin Chin. I can't remember. I don't know. I'm old and stupid. I think I think like, Jeremy Chin's right. Okay, but you know you're from Jeremy Chin. Like you don't know exactly, but you know 100 that uh, Warner's one of the best linebackers in football and the best coverage linebackers in football. Bose is one of the best defensive ends in football. And then you had draft cap on top of it. So there may be something there, but I don't know. I think it's one of those things like, I think Watson's a commodity in like the internet landscape where you can, if you have anything like a source of a source of a source, you can get attention to yourself. If you have anything to report about Watson, I think it's kind of like, you know, the wild West now where anybody can make any sort of claim regarding Watson and nobody really has any idea. Like if it's true or not, what he wants to do or not, because he hasn't spoken out publicly at all about what he wants exactly aside the fact that it's been leaked that he wants to trade, he's not going to play for Houston anymore. So it's weird. So I, I, I don't fully buy anything that specific regarding Deshaun Watson rumors. And also if he goes to, you know, the Vikings, like you wrote about in your simulator, nobody will remember what Mike Lombardi said, you know, in yeah. March and all that he just got some attention on the Rich Eisen show on this, you know, go around or whatever. And he may know somebody who knows something uh, to a certain extent, but who knows how, how it actually plays out. And, it doesn't matter if he's if he's right not in the end of it as well either. Yeah, to tell you the truth, I think it's mostly just Deshaun Watson wants to play somewhere else. He doesn't have a specific mm-hmm. place in mind. He might prefer, you know, a really good team that just went to the Super Bowl like the 49ers. But I think it's just about I don't want to play in Houston anymore. And the Texans organization just has to figure out where to send him now. Yeah. Um, and I also like the idea – well, I want to say real fast. I know Dyer Chris, I think, mentioned this during the super podcast apocalypse, whatever, however you want to describe it or call it. But he said, what if what if you're a Casario and you talk to Watts and you say, I will make a trade for you in you know, a week or whatever, but you have to rescind your no trade clause. And that's the only way I'm going to trade you at all. 
and you can't pick exactly where you're going to go, but you have to pull no trade clause and we'll find a spot for you. Um, and then so that kind of lends itself to it as well. They're like, Watson still gets to pick where he goes. Even if they find something that's best for the Texans, Watson still gets to decide what's best for him, though, in the end run, um, which, again, like Jack Easterby and Bill O'Brien gave him that control a year ago when he signed the extension to begin with. And maybe Watson would have even signed the extension if he didn't have that included, too. So who knows how, how far that goes. But uh, sorry about that, Carlos. So what do you think about the Watson trade rumor about him going to wanting to go to San Francisco or Denver and not Miami or New York? Um, so when I, when I heard that rumor and I saw Mike's article too, um, the big thing that threw me off was the whole Denver part. Like that, that didn't make any sense to me. Um, you know, just the whole team itself, they're not in a position to like win immediately. And, um, you know, they have Drew Locke, who's like the greatest prospect on the planet. So why would they need to, you know, he's going to be sitting there rapping on the sidelines for years to come. So, uh, I hate watching know. him play so much. I hate the lock. <laughs> I hate his face. I hate how boring he is. I hate how he tries to kill all his receivers. <laughs> right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, the Denver part just didn't make sense to me. And so, like, we've heard from tons of people. Like, we had the Florio stuff, like, a few weeks ago that I can't remember even what he said because stuff flies by so fast. But, you know, just tons of information flying from a billion different places. And that's what this whole thing is about. It's about hype and, you know, who can get the most, you know, amount of attention and, you know, throw out the most, uh, the hottest takes and, you know, get eyeballs. And so a lot of these things just, uh, I think Sean Watson's camp, um, they would want to be very tight, you know, tight lipped about mostly everything about this whole situation. And so, uh, when it comes to his preferred destinations, I don't think his inner circle would really tell people that. I don't think that he would tell most people that. Um, I just think that, uh, you know, he anybody wants to go to a contender, of course. But at the end of the day, I think it's just going to be a simple thing as Nick Casario getting an offer, going to Deshaun and saying, hey, Send, can we send you here? And it's like yes or no, and yeah. that's all they can really do. They can't, they can't strong arm him into, into saying, you know, yeah, sure, I'll uh, compromise with you. Uh, you can send me to wherever. It's like no, uh, he has that leverage, and it's an impossible thing to beat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, I, I really think it's kind of load, but um, you know, it, that, that's just how NFL uh, the media is right now. NFL media is just like. Who can who can get the most attention? Who can who can ride that wave and you know make some incendiary comments? Yeah, and I, I do think too. Like, let's go ahead and put it. And like, we have learned one of the things as being, you know, people who follow the Houston Texans is that there's always an inkling of truth in some rumor. So like before Hopkins was traded, he was rumored to be traded. You know, two days before there was a, a star wide receiver on the way out. You know, a year before, and like, there's always an inkling of truth in something. But for this one here, how specific it is. It does seem kind of strange. I could like, and then as far as like Watson and Denver, you know, they have really good receivers already. They have a good power run blocking offensive line. Um, I think like they're a quarterback away from being a good football team. And their thing too is that Big Fangio is a defensive warlock. Like he can turn this Texans roster into a, a good defense with just like how smart he is and how they play their coverages and how confusing it is to play against uh, the Broncos too. So like, I do think like if Watson went to Denver, they'd be a Super Bowl caliber team probably walk in immediately. It's just how bad the quarterback play has been since uh, even Manning's last Super Bowl. He was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league that year too. So, you know, it's been a, a good 
six years where they've had bad quarterback play. And so I think it kind of uh, puts a bad spot, like a bad idea of what Denver has to offer too. So I guess the end of the night show, I want to add that I know we didn't talk about Watson and the masseuse thing that's kind of come out today. I just want to say like, we don't know what's happened at all. I know we operate in this world where like we have to give an opinion on everything or everybody wants to talk about everything all the time. Like it's discourse, like it's conversation, but I don't really have an opinion on it. It's some of those things that's really kind of gross and bizarre. And it's not something that I want to talk about really at all whatsoever, especially not whenever we don't know anything at all, really whatsoever about it at all either. But I hope the reports aren't true. I hope, uh, I hope every, everybody involved with it, you know, isn't, I, I don't know. Like I hope the reports aren't true. I hope everything you know, is actually okay or whatever. Um, and I hope the women that were affected are okay too. And Watson didn't do this at all. It's a, it's a weird thing, but it's all very bizarre. I just don't know anything at all. That's something I really want to talk a whole lot about um, as well too. So, so in, in tonight's show, do any of you guys have any final thoughts at all uh, before we, we hit the dusty trail? Uh, well, I will say that you guys uh, convinced me that, well, I, I, I do think that Denver is a quarterback away, but the, the no trade clause thing does make it possible that he goes to Denver or 49ers, but I, I still have a really hard, hard time seeing it. And I don't even know if the 49ers would be willing to give up enough to like, like getting, getting rid of Bosa and Fred Warder and all those seven round picks. That might be enough for them to say, no, we don't want Watson enough for that. That mm-hmm. might be like, we're giving up our entire defense for Sean Watson. That might be too much. Um, and it, with all, with how low their first round pick is this year, that might be enough for the Houston just to let Watson sit for a year and just tank on their own without getting the 49ers pick. But yeah, I, I hope all that stuff that came out today about Watson isn't true. If it is, I mean, I, I, tr- I try to, to, to believe the victims because that is less harmful in the short term than not believing them is in the short term. Um, and if it is, it's, it's absolutely disgusting, but it's 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 so intertwined with so many other things that it's hard to have a strong opinion on it anyway right now. But that's all that's all I had to say. Yeah, it's kind of like a, the bingo card for like the Texans, like I guess drama. It's like in one of it the is. bingo spots, like a sexual assault scandal. All right, now that's I, you know, seven or whatever, and it's just <laughs> another one on on the long list of everything else that's coming out there. What a crazy off season. What a weird <laughs> off season. Just a weird last 18 months. Uh, do you have any final thoughts at all tonight, Carlos? Um, pretty much just echoing that it's really early in this whole process with Deshaun and the Busby situation. And, and so reserving judgment um, is kind of the key thing until we get more solid info and just, uh, you know, keeping a very balanced view of things. And so not, staking any flags anywhere, just waiting until more stuff comes out. Yeah. And um, Patrick Peterson also signed a one-year $10 million contract, and he should have signed it here. Where did he sign with? <laughs> team is so Vikings. stupid. He's, he, he signed with the Vikings. Oh, he's not even good, though. He was bad last year. Patrick Peterson, he looks cool. He's He looks really cool <laughs> in the field, but he was bad last year. But um, I want him to be our punt returner, and I want him to be the sole reason that we get points. This yeah, yeah, Andre Roberts. Though you don't need a punt returner, you already got him. That's true. That's true. And, and and hey, maybe we just need a good defensive coordinator because Xavier Rhodes sucked in 2019, but then he was pretty okay with Indianapolis in 2020. Yeah, at least I'm surprised they haven't brought him back yet. Also, as well, too. Yeah. But whenever you play a lot of cover four, cover seven, it's not the hardest 
uh, defense to play corner in too. And so you have to be smart. If you can get the smart part down, the other stuff kind of falls in line a little bit easier. But I also think whenever we know more information, I'm just, my opinions can be whatever Seth Stradley and Mike Meltzer tell me because they have law degrees and whatever they say, that's what I'm going to think about it uh, whenever that portion of it, whenever more information comes out too. But uh, that's our show for tonight. It was really great talking to you guys. I think we may do another one next week because a lot more stuff's going to happen in the upcoming week as well too. I know Joe and I, we kind of talked about doing some draft stuff. Um, Carlos, I'll send you some emails too if you want to watch some draft prospects. I know Kenneth loves the draft. I'll talk to Kenneth as well. And so we'll try to do some uh, some draft stuff as well. Probably whenever April hits. And I want to talk about quarterbacks and then talk about some mid-round picks after there. And uh, we'll probably do some more draft stuff in April. But anyways, until next time, I'm Matt Weston. Thank you for listening to Battle Red Radio. And thank you for being on tonight, Joe. Thanks for being on tonight, Carlos. I'll talk to you all soon. We'll see you. See you later. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.